0: Welcome to Conversations About Life. Well, thank you, Joe, for being a part of the podcast. And we can, I'll kind of introduce you, but you might have to help me out because I just met you like just a little earlier today, but I know you live down here. In Black Missouri, but I don't know if if your home's really in Black Missouri, is it?
1: Uh, I claim Edge Hill. Edge Hill, okay. <laughs> Even though it's not on the state highway maps, they took it off. I guess there's not enough people.
0: Okay. And I know you've um, my mom and dad. They've mentioned you, and they said that you've um, lived as you know. You've worked as an attorney, and you're an older gentleman now, um, like in your 90s, I believe. 92. 92. Mm -hmm. And you seem like you're doing really well for a 92-year-old, so that's that's good.
1: Trying to make it.
0: Yeah. Um, So what else would you say as far as introduction about just who you are, Joe? Anything you would add to that?
1: Gosh. Um, I've been uh, retired from... The federal government since 04, 2004. Okay. So at, at that time, I retired from the uh, Department of Justice. Okay. Or And then the, the United States Attorney's Office in St. Louis, okay. which was the uh, the base for the eastern... Half of Missouri. Okay. And uh, I worked there total of federal service of 35 years. And you, repre-
0: as an attorney, you represented the federal government?
1: Yes, yes. Okay. That's what made it kind of a, a, a place to be proud to work because you could say, you yeah, know, well, I represent the United States. So,
0: right. Are you did you grow up in the St. Louis
1: area? I did. Um uh, I was born in uh, Keokuk, Iowa. Okay. And uh, because my parents both lived in Northeast Missouri and uh they lived in Scotland County in the county seat Memphis, Missouri and uh But I was born in a hospital in Keokuk, I guess, because uh, my father could afford to send my mother to a hospital (laughs) to have me. I see. And uh, when I was born, actually, my father, who was a lawyer, uh, was trying a case in Arkansas. Okay. And I haven't found the telegram that uh, my uncle sent to my father in Arkansas. And the telegram said, Herman arrived. So, and okay. that was me.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. So, you were kind of following in your dad's footsteps there with being uh, getting into law, huh?
1: Yeah, I was. And uh, it just, uh, I think, because he was a lawyer, although I think briefly, maybe to the time that I went to college at Mizzou. Uh, I thought about uh going to West Point, but uh, I didn't do anything seriously about it but uh and probably because uh, during those my early teen and teen years uh, World War two was going on, so uh mm-hmm. I probably had that sort of uh, latent desire to be military Mm -hmm. until I went to uh, Mizzou. Mm -hmm.
0: So what was your growing up years like, your home life and so forth? Um, Big family or small and what what was it like? uh,
1: Yeah, one one sister and uh, she was two years older and uh, in those early years we lived in St. Louis, in North St. Louis. Uh, I went to Mark Twain grade school, and in 1943, uh, we moved to Normandy, and, uh, in that same year I started at Normandy High School in 1943. Okay. And, uh, but it was my mother and father and sister that was our family, and, uh, uh, my father was from a small family. He and his brother were the only ones there. My mother came from a family of six children, uh, five girls and then one boy. And uh, during the summers, I'd spend a lot of time visiting that, that family in Memphis, Missouri.
0: Okay. And I guess with a father as a lawyer, then you were, I guess, kind of, I imagine more of like an affluent type of family or kind of well-to-do, so to speak,
1: you know? Uh, yeah, uh, my father never hit the the big fee, you know, okay. but, uh, uh, you know, enough to buy a house and to be independent and, right. uh, uh, so forth, Um uh, but uh, yeah, he was always a solo practitioner, okay. And uh, but uh, yeah, he's probably the reason that, that I went to law school,
0: yeah. So, um, so, um, I guess like a lot of times in these conversations, it's the podcast is called Conversations About Life, and I tell my guests. Um I ask I tend to ask about fundamental beliefs and life experiences, you know. So mm-hmm. I guess going along that line, as far as like your fundamental way you see the world and stuff, does are you religious? Does it come from a religious point of view or like what's your kind of fundamental belief perspective? You know? Yeah,
1: I think uh um sad? Are they sad? Kids, my sister and I uh, uh, went in in the city. Went to Saint Paul's Presbyterian Church on Lillian and Ruskin, I think, uh, in St. Louis. But my mother and father never went to that church. They didn't go. They sent us off to Sunday school. Okay, and uh, so I can't say that the family was. Religious, you know mm-hmm. but uh, but uh, they were they were Christians, and my father uh, would sometimes make reference to uh, uh, some of his uh, experiences in a Baptist church where he grew up as a boy. His mother died when he was a baby and and an aunt uh, raised him aunt helen and uh she was very religious okay and uh so he knew uh had a good acquaintance with the bible but he was not a religious man i would say because he didn't go to church on sunday or those sorts of things right so what about
0: you? Did that, those early years from the Presbyterian Church, did that stick with you? Like, does your, um, Was that something you practiced throughout your life, or was it something just during, for your early years?
1: Yeah, well, just about the way that I said, we'd go to Sunday school at that time, and then as I grew older, in high school, I still did not go to church on Sunday. We were living in another area. Uh, Occasionally, I would go to Normandy Presbyterian Church, Mm -hmm. and my sister, being two years older, when she was 20, 21, uh, she married a a Catholic guy and uh, converted to the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they had 10 children. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) So you're an uncle several times over. <laughs> yes, I am. Uh huh. And that that has always been a great family. You know, they were. Yeah. Uh, Jim and Marilyn were together for years until she died about oh, four years ago, I think. Hmm. She, she was eighty-eight. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But about then. Okay. So they had a fine family, and incidentally, uh, then my son Rob. Uh, he married a Catholic girl, okay, and she was one of ten children. Oh wow! And yeah. uh, but they have three children now, and I, I don't think they're going to have any more. But
0: uh, right. So, is your own perspective on like the world and stuff? Is it more of like a, a the from a theistic background of you know a, a God, or is it more like naturalistic? Like I talked to some people and it's more of just whatever their senses can portray, and, you know, that's, that's it. Or, like, what's your what kind of viewpoint do you, you you have there when it comes to, like, your fundamental
1: way that you see things and so forth? It probably has something to do, I think, you know, that was always more political, and maybe that would be what the, the naturalist approach sort of uh my father as i said was not he was really a fine lawyer and Mm -hmm. uh but he didn't he that wasn't his main shtick yeah he loved politics did he okay yeah and uh then so i think you know i acquired that kind of interest too and uh so I've always viewed the world, or at least America, in political conservative terms, if that's okay. the right word. But uh, And I've always been that way, and probably, as uh, I look back on it, my father was probably more interested in the... Uh, politics the republican politics as far as getting people elected and that sort of thing and right. and i think i was probably more interested in what it stood for or should stand for but i've always been a conservative uh, politically okay except uh maybe to tip a hat to my father i'm very interested in getting people elected you know oh, are you <laughs> yeah Okay. I, uh, but uh, I think that's important. Uh, uh, I'm sure it's important, but uh, I don't think that you know. I believe that we follow someone who's politically corrective I don't think they're going to get elected, <laughs> I want to make sure that we get somebody elected, and uh, probably be willing to say, well, they're not quite as fervent as Donald Trump is or do the same way, but uh, uh, I would want to make sure they're electable. Right. But I don't have any control over that. But I do make contributions to candidates.
0: Right. Okay. So it sounds like um, the thing that um, seems like... Uh, Just your passion, what drives you? It seems like more kind of politics and like, uh, um, just the way things go, and you know, on the political arena and so forth. That,
1: yeah, and uh, of course the, uh, um, yeah, I love the U.S. Attorney's Office. It was just a great place to practice law, to be a lawyer. Yeah. Or you wouldn't have, didn't have to worry about collecting fees. You know, you're going to get paid, but uh, but you could be more independent. You know, you didn't. Uh, if uh, the government was wrong, you can say, "Yeah, this is a bad case." You know, we can't defend this in civilly. We're talking about, and uh, so it's just a good place to work. Good be totally honest and
0: so you said if it's a bad case you didn't you you could say the government is wrong you, you didn't have to represent the government and defend the government
1: uh, well, there were times our, our client usually was an agency person you know, okay and and they would have a viewpoint and uh, and you could say you know this you know this won't work you know, this won't happen and uh And I think there were, you know, a time or two that uh, I said, I I think you're wrong, I don't think I'd do this, and it would be maybe in a a settlement situation, not necessarily for money, but uh, program-type regulations and how they're interpreted and so forth. Yeah. But uh, I think there was a couple of times when i disagree with the agency attorney, but, but if they were uh they could say, no, we think it ought to be this way. So I said, okay, you know, you're the client. If you want to do it that way, we will, but uh, and, but it was just a good place to work. That didn't happen that often.
0: Yeah. Well, good. Um, what well, yeah. do, What are your thoughts about just the, the way politics have worked out over your, you know, your
1: span of life and well, we—I uh, was appointed uh, to, the, you know, an assistant U.S. attorney in 1974, I guess. And uh, gosh, now I didn't even know who was president. Who was president? I ought to know that. We're appointed by the attorney general. And I know that at the time, the attorney general was William Saxby and he had been a senator from Ohio. And uh, the attorney general always signs the commission, the appointment, as an assistant U.S. attorney. But uh, so uh, with Gerald Ford, I, yeah, was president. Yeah, I
0: think and, so. Yeah,
1: because, yeah, Ford... Then or Jimmy Carter then was elected in '76. Okay. Ronald Reagan in 1980. But mm-hmm. yeah, Ford was president when I was appointed. Okay. But the Attorney General signs the thing. But uh, and so over the, the the 35 years that I was in that office. You know, the the presidency turned over. Yeah, so I worked for Jimmy Carter and then Bill Clinton, Mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan in between. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Bill Clinton and then uh, uh, George W. Bush. Yeah. So uh, even though the presidents changed at our our office, our level, Mm -hmm. uh, it was all just strictly law you know, what, whatever right. uh, the facts were in the law, but there was never any pressure at our level on do it this way or do it that way.
0: Right. Well, so you've um, lived a while, um, just, you know, in in thinking about um, lessons learned in life and so forth. Um thought I'd... Ask you about that, like for example, um, you know what, um, in your perspective, you know what, what's makes up a good life, or, um, I guess, yeah, I guess that's the question. What makes for a good and satisfying life? Um, Have any thoughts to that one?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, one thing that I haven't mentioned, although my early life. Uh, As a Christian, uh, wasn't very active. Uh, When I got married, I got married in Central Presbyterian Church in Clayton. Okay, my wife was a a member there, and uh, and that's of anywhere in my life. You know, sort of began a more formal study of. Of uh Christianity and so forth, so and since that time in uh nineteen sixty uh, I really began my walk at that time,
0: your walk, so you're talking about like in christianity yes. walk? Uh-huh. okay
1: right, yeah, and uh even though it probably uh wasn't as fervent maybe as sometimes I think it ought to be, and I think, why aren't I more fervent? <laughs> I, I have one favorite uh, verse in Scripture when uh, Paul said that uh, sort of like uh, it's each person, do not think of yourself more highly. Right. You know that verse? Uh, yeah. But, uh, what proceed with the measure of faith that God granted you, you know, right. I often think, yeah, God only gave me this much, you know, <laughs> Right. and I, he didn't give me this much, so, Right. but, uh, I know, but that's an, kind of an excuse to say, but, uh, of course the walk has been, you know, up and down sometimes, but, uh. But uh, but from 1960 when I was married, and uh, then I became a you know a regular attender of of the church, and my study of uh, the Bible was really began then.
0: Okay. All right. And and you were at Central Presbyterian then, huh? Is mm-hmm. that still around and all?
1: Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, and still a you know fine conservative church. Right. It actually at that time it was uh, in the or uh, well, the what the diocese of the Presbyterian Church in the U.S., which was the Southern Presbyterian Church. Okay. In the Civil War, the, you know, all the churches split up, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the Southern Church. And and uh, but then it. Uh, Andy Jumper was pastor uh, when we briefly went into the mainline church, but uh, it was but then Andy Jumper uh, established uh, the Presbyterian Church, Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Mm-hmm. and uh, so I don't know how big that is now, but uh, several churches went into the establishment of that. I think it's big like the Presbyterian Church of America the PCA that's another uh, branch that split off when okay. when we're all sort of uh right unenamored of the United Presbyterian Church which was the big biggest
0: right so um so that's when your study kind of began and so forth and um Anything? Um, anything? Just kind of prominent stand out to you about like how would you, what would you how would you put it in the nutshell? Like the main, you know, when it comes to what the Christian faith is for someone who was just not familiar with it, how would you wrap it up in just a, a few words? Do you have any thoughts about that? Gosh, I don't know
1: if I could. Yeah. I could have always thought, um, I've always been sort of challenged. And, and I think as, as a lawyer, often I look at the Bible in terms of who said that and who did they say it to, right. and they wrote this down. Who told them that? That's why I prefer to, I love the Bibles that have, Jesus' words in red letters because I they what did Jesus say? I really don't care what Luke said, but, but if, it, unless Luke said he heard Christ say it, but and, and I get into the law thing like uh, proofs of uh, right. the resurrection, and, uh, things like that. But uh, have you thought about that, like uh, from
0: a, a law standpoint? about the proof of the proofs of the resurrection i guess that might be more in the field of history wouldn't it but like a historian's field but anyway yeah. i don't know it might verge on law type of stuff have you considered well, the, that i
1: only looked at it as uh as the law thing like okay. uh, but uh
0: but does it seem to you like there's you know good grounds and so forth um, for yeah, I think
1: works. yeah, I think there are, and uh, uh, we've had a couple of sermons at Central Church uh, where they specifically that was the sermon, you know, and mm-hmm. and I still have a copy of one of those. Uh, for a while, we had a an interim uh, pastor who was a professor at uh, Covenant uh, okay. College. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what was his name? But you know, he was a real scholar and uh in and he was at the church for about five years and then he went back to Covenant and uh and he preached a sermon on that uh about yeah, this happened and and so forth proofs mm-hmm. of actually what happened at that time, at least as told by the witnesses mm-hmm. there, but uh but right. you know, there's uh, all, always that I think about that. But it's but it's so much easier just to think in terms of of God, and uh, uh, so I don't have any problems with accepting the divinity of Christ and that. If I and probably as my friend. Susan Summers said, that, well, Jesus was God, yeah, okay, <laughs> right.
0: Is there, but, yeah. is there anything in particular that gives you confidence in Christianity? Um, because I guess there's lots of options. I guess when we were young, it didn't seem like there was lots of options, but in today's world, you know, we the world has become smaller, and we realize <clears throat> there's lots of different beliefs. Is there anything in particular that, you know, gives you confidence in, uh, you know, in Christianity or in your particular beliefs?
1: I don't know if I could single out any one thing other than just a kind of the continual reinforcement from knowing people like you Jacksons mm-hmm. and uh, uh, things there. So I'm just comfortable in, in that. And I think about that and... Uh, Bill's Bible study and the Bible study at the Black River Church. You know, mm-hmm. you think about, you know, that... Uh, and I'm reinforced by those people being there, you know. Right. Uh, yeah. Sort of, uh, if, you know, if if they believe, I believe. Now, I know that's not a, a strong basis for it, but uh, I'm comfortable with it. But I'm, you know, more comfortable... Thinking about God, if that includes Jesus, then uh, I think that's kind of the important focus, maybe from the Old Testament viewpoint. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's both of them together. But
0: uh. Right. Um, well, anything else that, um, you know, in your thinking, makes for a, a good and satisfying life? You know, a lot of people, um, they, um, you know, they think, well, it's not this. It's not like working all the time. It's not um, accumulating as much money as possible, you know, and they, they, you know, they come up with the the things that it's not. But, and then, you know, that leaves to, you know, the question, well, you know, what really makes up for, you know, a good and satisfying life? So,
1: I don't know. uh, Well, one. First, I recall my father pointed it out to me in his later life. Uh, and he still never went to church. And uh, in his later life, he was, uh, the governor appointed him uh, as associate judge back up in the county where he came from, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, and he would contribute money to uh mainly to Jerry Falwell, and Falwell would, back when Falwell was, you know, quite a voice in the church. And uh, so Pop showed me, uh, I always called him Pop, my kids called me then now too, um, a verse in Ecclesiastes that mm-hmm. uh, says what um, music is made for mirth and joy, but money is the answer to everything. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, and Pop said, "Yeah, look at that." So, and it, <laughs> it, but it, it, that never drove him because he never, you know, and when he was practicing law, he, I said he's really a fine lawyer, but he'd rather talk politics <laughs> than yeah than a, than a, the case, but he could of course but uh
0: right yep um well do you have any um you have any routines that you've um uh, practiced throughout your life that um have met you know been important to you routines gosh no I'd, don't say brushing your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, I never took that good a care of my teeth either. But um,
0: I, I was just teasing. I mean, uh, yeah. Some I've had someone say that before. That's not quite the routine I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, um, I don't know, some people have a morning routine or an evening routine or just something or maybe a reading books routine or whatever. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know either. I know one time in the... Uh, the Bible study at the Black River Church, why did they say, what's, what's the most important? Your, I think they were singling out mothers because I guess it's kids, why would more contact with mothers? Uh, what did your mother ever say? And everybody had a thing like, you know, never tell a lie because, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and that thing. And, and I couldn't tell them that, yeah, really, the only thing I remember my mother saying was, you know, when you shower down at the high school after football, be sure you dry between your toes. <laughs> because so you won't get athlete's foot. Yeah. And, but I couldn't tell them that, but it's... <laughs> I should have, and they'd probably say, yeah, that's right, that's my mother told me how to be clean. That's probably one of the right. most important things a mother can tell a kid, but uh, teach them. Yeah. But uh, from the time Sandra and I married in uh, Central Church is really the time that uh, my study of the Word began.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. hmm what's has anything what's made an impact on your life any particular people or any particular events?
1: I don't know there are probably little things that were interesting. I don't know if they had that much of an impact though mm-hmm. you know and uh, the well in, in the law end. I never argued a case in the uh, Supreme Court, but I argued uh, several times in the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a a three-judge court, uh, and it hears appeals from the U.S. District Court from the states of Arkansas, Missouri, Iowa— Kansas, Nebraska, and the Dakotas. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have uh, Minnesota in it. But I'd argue cases before those uh, those three panel judges. And a couple of times, the case would wind up before the court and bank, meaning all seven or eight judges. and um, But The the case matter usually didn't involve a constitutional issue, Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, just a case on the facts or the law as it came out of the district court. The district courts are really like circuit courts. They're the trial courts, and uh, and the Eighth Circuit's kind of the Supreme Court, even though it's just kind of midway to the Supreme Court. But they were always, you know, good cases, and I argued many cases before the Court of Appeals. And and then the cases tried in the district court were good, and I guess if there's an impact, it was a continuing play between judges... And the lawyers, or in my case, me, uh, but in um, in the district court, why well, it, it was good because you really got to know the judges, and they got to know you too. Mm-hmm. So you know you had to be absolutely square with them, and, and there'd be many whole ex parte conversations. With you and the judges, but uh which is probably technically improper, but ordinarily you wouldn't be talking about a case, mm-hmm. but uh, like Judge Roy Harper, you who know, used to say, "Oh gosh, if you have to go down and see the judge in Chambers in the afternoon, you'll never get out of there because you'll be talking about the price of cotton in." in Stoddard County or something mm-hmm. things like that but uh, that was part of just uh, uh, kn- knowing the judges and getting along with them and sometimes they'd you'd lose you know but that's the way it went But
0: uh, mm-hmm. Well besides you know as far as books go besides the books you've had to read for your work any um, particular books that have uh, impacted your
1: life when I was uh, a kid we had just moved from the city to Normandy and I didn't know anybody mm-hmm. and that uh, was in the first year of high school and uh, and I read the two or three books of Lloyd C Douglas uh, okay. and he wrote, Oh gosh, what was it? Uh, one of them was Magnificent Obsession. They later made a movie of that. And a couple of others. But Douglas was a religious man but the books were novels. Right. And uh,
0: They were kind of adventure, fantasy novels, kind of?
1: Yeah, adventure, forgotten, but they were uh but they always had a spiritual huh. thread and usually a a spiritual and uh, you know redemptive type ending mm-hmm. on them so uh, and i remember reading those books but i was just 14 years old but they made an impression on me mm-hmm. uh, enough that i can remember <laughs> mm-hmm. lloyd c douglas but uh hmm. and books after that yeah, I don't know. I'd have to think about it, but probably not as much as those books did in that early here. Yeah. Did you, do you know it,
0: Douglas? I don't know if he's the same person I'm thinking of. My kids are readers, and there's been uh, there's these series of books I've seen. I think one might be called the Black Cauldron or something like that, and I'm that that author's name sounds familiar. So it could possibly be the same person, or maybe I'm thinking of somebody else mm-hmm, yeah, what do you enjoy doing now in life?
1: I get the uh Wall Street Journal every day mm-hmm. delivered down here, and I love reading <laughs> reading it uh and i it's usually three sections, and the one the first is the news and the editorials. so I always, you know, go to the editorials and read them first. And mm-hmm. the good ones, I clip out and say, "Well, I got to give this to somebody." <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've got one I have to give to Bill. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, taking the uh, latest Biden proposal, mm-hmm. the welfare uh, bill, and mm-hmm. that, and it picks it apart and says, "Yeah, it's not just." One point seven trillion. It's four to five trillion, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, but I read, uh, like reading the Wall Street Journal, but that's about it. And uh, but then also uh, read the Bible, but I don't do it routinely or in the morning or anything like that. Actually, I saw one uh, in. Letters to the editor to the journal and and usually once a week there's a column on uh religion mm-hmm. and it's a different author every time it's a different viewpoint and uh, uh, so there was a letter to the editor t- commenting on one of them and it, uh, it referred to uh mark twelve twenty nine and uh, and I don't know where I've, I've been in Bible study fellowship. Oh, have you? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was in for about nine years. I guess something like that. Mm-hmm. Great, great course. Mm-hmm. It kind of fell apart or went online during the uh, COVID thing, and I mm-hmm. and I think they're still online. Mm-hmm. They uh, were meeting all that time at the. Uh, Parkway Baptist Church had a big sanctuary. Was, uh, there were about four hundred, I think.
0: Wow, men and that's around here or
1: no. That was all in St. Louis. In St. Louis, okay. Yeah, and you know, it break out into discussion groups. Mm-hmm. But there, there was good. That was a good course. But and I probably during that had seen that Mark twelve twenty nine, mm-hmm. but it's. What is it? Uh wouldn't uh someone ask Jesus what's the greatest commandment mm-hmm. and uh that's uh love your Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and strength. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself and uh so in, in one place, you know, you would think, yeah, gosh, that's really what it is. It didn't, it's kind of an inspirational thing. And uh, right. I shouldn't say thing, should
0: I? No, I understand what you mean. Yeah. yeah, It's kind of one of those things that just puts it in a nutshell. Yeah, you know? it
1: does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though I can uh, still smile at, money answers everything.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's one of those proverbial statements, I think, where, you know, it's like a tool that you use, you know, um, Uh in certain situations it works, and other proverbial statements work in other situations, and Uh that's the way I kind of think of it, um, because um, money's very
1: practical, and it helps. (laughs) It helps, yeah.
0: yeah
1: it uh and it helps you to appreciate the others who don't have as much of it right and uh and sort of like susan summers you know and bill mentioned she's always helping somebody out <clears throat> but whether it's with food or take their cat or whatever
0: what brought you down here?
1: Uh, as I was getting close to retiring Mm -hmm. from the government, uh, I thought about, yeah, I ought to, you know, find a place in a country somewhere. Mm -hmm. And of course, I knew, uh, this area as a kid when my father would come down, he, he had a client who had bought a big patch of property at a tax sale okay, and, uh. Gosh, in those days, why all this land you could buy for about ten dollars an acre? But uh, and so I knew it. We'd come down here and s- swim in Ottery Creek, mm-hmm. Autry Creek, and uh, mm-hmm. so uh, and so I sort of had this area in mind at okay. that time when I said, "Yeah, I ought to, I ought to have a country place like." Most people in the city do. They think, yeah, we ought to be out somewhere. Mm-hmm. So when one day I was, I'd look at the Sunday Post-Dispatch with all the farm ads in it, and there was one little block there, and it was a little bolder print than the rest of it, but it said Ottery Creek. And I said, Ottery Creek? I know that. Ottery Creek. Hmm. So I called and wound up... Buying that place,
0: okay, did you meet Susan after you moved down here?
1: yeah, okay, mhm, okay, so one time somebody said, "Why didn't you come down here?" I said, "Well, Susan was here, but <laughs> <laughs> right. she wasn't the first reason, but um
0: yeah, so do you enjoy it down here in the country
1: oh yeah it's good yeah and it's it's home now. Yeah, I'm comfortable here. Right. Even with the Thanksgiving, you know, it, Yeah, but I just see the boys and, and the grandkids often enough that uh, I really don't have to go to the city for Thanksgiving.
0: So I didn't even really ask you about that. So you and Sandra, you had children?
1: We had three children, three okay. boys. Three boys, okay. Yeah. Uh, Jeff... And Rob, Jeff just turned 60 in in September. Rob is 57. Charlie was the youngest, and he died when he was 39. He died uh, in uh, 2007. Sandra died in 2006. And when they say Andy, some... Called him Andy in his early days, but he said, no, call me Charlie, you <laughs> no, when he got older. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was 39, <clears throat> never never married, worked at the post office um, for about 20 years.
0: Hmm. What What did he die from?
1: He had got meningitis when he was a baby mm-hmm. and uh, came out of it with loss of earring almost total in one ear and severe in the other and some loss of, you know, cognitive ability.
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: Although he got through high school and got to be an Eagle Scout, but mm-hmm. then the older he got, why, well, he, he couldn't socialize quite as much. hmm But he did pretty well, so. hmm but that was a loss so we we're hmm. close
0: yeah hmm. well i think that's about all i can think of to bring up any topics that you know you would like to to bring up before we just sign off
1: i can't think of anything
0: okay well, it's been good to talk with you just to get to know you a little better
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Will.
0: You're welcome.